welcome. You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, searching for the soul of Outlander with me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. And me, Reverend Terry Menefigal. As always, be aware, there are spoilers ahead. Yay. Right. Yay. So we're both back in our respective offices on separate continents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was good. Um, yeah, Wild Goose was fantastic. And yes. it was great to be in one place for yeah. um, our last episode and to have a chat in person. It was really good. Wild Goose was, I'm still kind of recovering from it a little bit. Right. <laughs> Why? I'm, I'm kind of the the person who doesn't who doesn't normally camp very well, but I, I was actually <laughs> impressed with the ability to actually camp without really getting sick. I usually get migraines, and I did only have just like one day of the headaches and what have you. It, it was um, really hot. It yeah, was so. very hot, and they kept saying in all the literature, make sure you bring jackets because it gets so yeah. cool at night. No, I didn't. We did not experience <laughs> that. <laughs> You expect the mountains of North Carolina for it to be cooler, but no, 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 not at all. But truly, it was beautiful, though, I, mm. I will admit. And I've told lots of people about it since then, about going down to Hot Springs. If listeners out there know where Asheville, North Carolina is, where they've actually recently had some very, very bad flooding this past year with all the rains that we've been getting, at least on this side of the Atlantic. I know Jamie was telling me earlier, they're not getting a whole lot of rain until until this week yeah pretty much it's been storms but yeah it's been extraordinarily hot um record temperatures here in the uk wow hello climate change yeah (laughs) yeah so we've it was it was quite warm there but if anybody knows where Asheville is or montreat north carolina or ridgecrest Mm -hmm. north carolina it's about i guess it's about an hour west of there it's very near the tennessee border one of the things that attracted me besides the fact that jamie was going there and i would get to see her we would be able to talk and chat and do this podcast with other folks was the fact that this is fraser's ridge this is the the mountains of north carolina and that's how you see fraser's ridge the folks out west would call these little hills compared to like (laughs) the Rockies. But here on the East Coast, the Blue Ridge Mm. Mountains are some of the most beautiful ranges Mm. of mountains along this area. Just stunningly beautiful everywhere Mm. you looked. There was another outcropping of rocks. Mm. There was another house set somewhere in the, up on a ledge. It was just a beautiful, beautiful space. At least at Wild Goose, I was really glad to hear that certainly call outs of this being Cherokee land and being aware that of the heritage of this place and in the context of Outlander was also good to make that connection too. So Wild Goose happens in Hot Springs, North Carolina, which mm-hmm. has hot springs and mm-hmm. naturally occurring hot springs. And so the water's been used there for centuries as healing. It's it's a healing space. And I, I found it to be a place for a lot of folks to go to feel community. And I loved it. Yeah, it was great. I'm glad yeah. we got a chance to do that. And you know, we very well might do it next year. We'll, we'll let you know. I'll put my camping pants on again. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely glamping again. That made it so much easier. Yes. So what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about Claire's interior life and spiritual growth. So episode prior to, so episode eight, we took a break because it was the live recording and we talked about reading fiction as sacred text. But the one before that, we talked about Claire's call. And so we're kind of starting a bit of a 
back and forth on the interior lives of characters and their calling or vocation. And so we're starting with Claire. And so today we're going to talk about Claire's interior life and spiritual growth. And then over the course of the next few episodes, do a mix of Jamie and Roger and a few others and see how we go. Up until book eight, this Mm -hmm. is about, what, 30 years of her life? Uh, yeah. What is her exact age at the end of Moby? I think it's Um, right around 60. I think it is too. From the time she goes back in Voyager, where Mm. she's around 50 years old, that span is about 10 years. Yeah. So I think she's about 60 and she started at about 27 years old. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So because Jamie is about five years younger than she is, something like that, Mm. four or five years younger Mm -hmm. than she is. And so, Mm -hmm. so we're covering a span of over 30 years here with Claire and Jamie. And if you think about the last 30 years of your life, (laughs) what kind of spiritual growth has happened there? (laughs) A whole hell of a lot. I'll tell you that now. Gosh, even in the last 15 or 20, um, let alone 30. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. I was thinking last night about because every now and then on Facebook something crosses and it's like it's been 42 years since such and such has been released and I'm like oh gosh just add another gray hair to my head I know I saw a plaque yesterday when I was out for a hike with my partner and um, the plaque said it was built in 2003 and we're like oh that's not very old and then we're like hang on a second that was 15 years ago (laughs) 15 actually My son turns 20 this year, and I am so feeling it, because truly, he was just born yesterday, Uh right? And I'm Uh still that young mom who's holding my baby, going, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know Mm -hmm. how to do this at all. Over the the last 30 years, and, you know, even then I was thinking, it's been over 30 years since I graduated from college, and that I was so sure of myself. I was just cocksure of myself. When I got out of school of where I was going to go and what I needed to do and and, and where my call was. And I am like 180 from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you say that. Yeah. So this is this is 20 years. I thought about that 20 years since I graduated from college and I was exactly the same. Yeah. I was out to save the world and knew. Yeah. Was very sure. So Claire begins the war. Mm-hmm. In her early 20s. So World War II in England starts in 1939. So mm-hmm. in 1945, when she leaves and she's 27, 28 years old, mm-hmm. I think she's 27. That would have been six years earlier. Yep. So she was 21 when the war starts. Mm-hmm. And she, it would be as if she had just gotten right out of school. Cocksure of the world, and then the world mm-hmm. falls apart. I think this is a great way to kind of delve into her character is to mm-hmm. look at her spiritual growth and to look at mm-hmm. what happens from the time mm-hmm. she is introduced to adulthood until we have her now at 60. And also, I think it's important for us to talk about, too, when we talk about spiritual growth, we're not necessarily saying how she became a stronger Christian or something like that. We're just meaning in the internal processes by which you understand the world and how you understand spirituality it's not yeah by spiritual growth we mean just sort of an internal maturity um that has a spiritual nature to it so because the only constant is change and we all (laughs) constantly change so she will be changing over the years based upon her experiences that reminds me too that phrase uh only constant is change that um if anybody has ever read you know we throughout this whole series we talk about 
books that have changed us and and stories that mean something to us. And Octavia Butler's two books, The Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, where the main character sort of comes from a Christian tradition but creates her own religion and the, and the religion is God is change because that's the only constant that the, the change is constant and so right. to embrace change is is to embrace God so anyway just a little connection there and, Very cool. and if you haven't read those I would highly recommend them they're really, really I will good. have to look into that mm. I just downloaded The Hate You Give oh The Hate You Give yeah, yeah I'm looking forward yeah. to reading that in the, in the mm. coming weeks that's on my list too. Hey, Jamie, we've got listener feedback. We do. So let's do that first and then we'll we'll jump into the episode. So a couple other things too I wanted to say. From the last episode, we were talking about all the different aspects that make a text sacred. And so we talked about reading it with rigor, believing that the text has something to say, but we really didn't delve into the reading in community that makes a text sacred. So the idea of reading it with others and then sharing in that is something that makes things sacred. So I think we maybe should do that in another episode. So just to say, we, there was a bit of a hole in the last episode, but there's there's holes all through this, so we'll we'll try to fill them as we go. We reserve the right to go back and talk we about do everything. we do because you know what things change, right? Yes. So um, <laughs> that's yeah, the theme listener, of today's things yeah, change. Things like change. You know what? <laughs> Shit happens. That's just the way it goes. Right. So listener <laughs> feedback from episode seven. When we were talking about Claire's call, we got an email from Victoria. Yeah, it was a great email. So, Terry, do you want to say what she said? Oh, yeah. So, I stepped in it is what I did. And... <laughs> I I remembered something wrong, and our listeners and the fandom out there was very quick to say, Terry, Mm. you you really didn't remember this right. And and Victoria's right. Well, and I didn't either. She's she's totally right. And so we're thankful for you for that. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Victoria, for pointing this out. I am getting my my scenes with Frank and Claire mushed together because they're kind of sprinkled throughout the series. You you want Frank to be in this nice little bubble, but he keeps popping up again. He pops Mm. up in every book. And he pops up when you least expect him. So the, the issue was the point when Frank calls out Claire and she is about to leave becoming a doctor and Frank calls her out and says, no, you can't do that because you know what you want to be and you've always known what you want to be. And that's, mm-hmm. you're very, very lucky. I don't have that. I could be mm-hmm. good at pretty much anything and I'd be mm-hmm. ha- just as happy. And this was right before he died that we were talking yes, about the, that we, conversation. Yes, we thought mm-hmm. that that was the conversation that they were having before he walks out and is killed in the car accident. And in fact, it was not. And I went back and reread this. It is in Voyager. And mm-hmm. it was when Brie was in her car accident, actually. She was mm-hmm. hit by a car and got scraped up and... Claire had been trying to be the mother and also go to medical school and be a doctor and her internship and she she was feeling all that matriarchal guilt that mm-hmm. we carry that says mm-hmm. I should have been I should have been I should have been I should be over and over and over again and so after putting her daughter to bed she comes down to see see Frank and says I, she says she's going to quit she's mm-hmm. going to stop being a doctor and he's like no you're not this is all you were meant to be. This mm-hmm. is who you were meant to be. This is who you are. And mm-hmm. I'll take Brie. Yeah. And so the argument they get into before he storms out into the slick night and, and dies on the road 
is the argument about him taking Brie to England and that he's mm. leaving Claire for his latest fling and that he is he's leaving for good and that Brie's coming with him and she says no 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 she's not and he's like she's an adult she can decide and she's coming with me and mm. they get into an argument about Jamie and he storms off into the night and they never resolve that so mm. Frank's ghost uh, speaking of ghosts kind mm. of haunts them throughout but thankfully because Victoria pointed this out and I am mm. very very grateful that she did because mm-hmm. I, I don't like being wrong and I don't um, I, I don't I don't like being <laughs> I wrong. was right don't take all the responsibility I was right well, there with you so. well, I, I, I hate when I misrepresent things so um, I, I, I want to make sure that the information that we portray is accurate so thank you but mm. also in a cool sidestep it reminded me in the notes that we've been taking and the mm. stuff that we We've been reading that Frank had a call too, even though he says in that that argument that he could do anything and be just as happy and be Mm. bloody good at it is what he said. Mm. And I'd be bloody good at it. And he could pretty bloody much brilliant, do, I bloody think brilliant, said. bloody mm. brilliant, bloody um, brilliant, mm. that he could do this and be just as happy, just as brilliant, just as everything. But what he could not do is say no to Brie. And mm. so his calling really was Brie. And in the mm. moment of taking her in his arms, his calling was to be her father. Mm. And so vocation isn't always the career Paid path work. you choose. Right. <laughs> Vocation yeah. is always so much deeper. My vocation mm. is a storyteller, and that is mm. in so many different ways that I incarnate that, that I bring mm. that to life. But his vocation was Brie, mm. and he continues in every book. There's a letter. There's something that he has gifted Brie that mm. allows her to excel or survive, mm-hmm. and it, I think and, it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd never really thought about that either until I saw your response. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. we You know, <laughs> we've been talking about Frank as maybe not having a call necessarily, but I don't think that's true now. Um, I, my my mind has been changed. So, yeah. <laughs> well, mine was opened, and I thank you, Victoria, um, for pointing that out. Otherwise, I would yeah. have never even seen that. Yeah, and then um, on the topic of home and belonging that we discussed in episode six, we had another listener, Elizabeth, who emailed us, and uh, she told us a little bit of a story and shared these thoughts. So she said that one of the times that Outlander made her tear up is when Claire tells Jamie that she won't go because her home is with Jamie. And so that would be at the end of Dragonfly and Amber when he's about to send her back. She says, it was another moment where I felt that Outlander connects to my own life and that it took her several months after her husband died to put words to how she felt. And she talks about how being a widow just throws you completely and that your your ideas about identity and place are, are very displaced. And yeah. you're not able to describe those and that nothing feels right. And then she says, I finally realized that I no longer felt at home in an emotional sense, in the sense that, you know, home is where the heart is. It just was a really true thing for her. So for about 40 years, her place was always with her husband. And then once he was gone that, you know, home sort of no longer existed. So she says she's been thinking for years now about who she is, where she is, what is she doing here, and what is home. And so the episode sort of gave her some 
maybe some time to think about that and to and to respond to us that way. And she says she certainly has a home in the usual sense, in the sense that she, you know, has children and grandchildren and a community that she's been a part of, that kind of stuff. And that they would probably be quite upset to know that she feels a bit homeless. So I really connected with that in some ways yeah. because that that would that would be reflective of my experience too. But she says that more and more um, she has the feeling that her soul occupies this body and with this body that she's playing a role in the life. And she made the connection to Claire playing the role in Boston, saying that that was kind of a model for her in how to live in, in the life that she has right now, that, you know, her home and her life and her belonging is actually elsewhere. But she's, you know, sort of doing the best she can with what she's yeah. got. I think you could easily sort of say, oh, isn't that sad? It is and it isn't because I think it's just kind of that's the way life is for some people. And I think this story gives that meaning, gives that language, gives that space to exist in that way. She just talked about being able to uh, connect with Claire in that way of seeing someone who's going through basically how she feels right now. So, yeah, I, I thought it was important for us to, to say that um, yeah, or to yeah. reflect that. And she gave us permission to share that story. So thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, that was mm. that's beautiful. So yeah, so those are the the two that we'll share this time. We've got we've got more. And again, if you've got any feedback, or again, if you notice that we <laughs> we have said something wrong, then uh, then, <laughs> then let us know, um, and we'll happily acknowledge it. But uh, if we aren't wrong, we might yeah we might tell you that. Too. We will not publicly <laughs> shame you. We won't. We won't. But we will. We um, won't stand we'll around and, go and say, oh shame. no, this is yeah yeah we won't do that. But yeah, we could start a conversation with that. Yes, with we'd you, love to. If that's possible. So, But yeah, so Claire's spiritual growth and in her interior life throughout the series. Where where do we want to start, Terry? Well, let's start at the beginning when she yeah. was born. What's her spiritual heritage, I guess we could say. Yes, yeah, I guess that's where we start is, you know, like many folks, people are born into a spiritual situation. And mm-hmm. for Claire, situation, a religious situation, I should say. Yeah. For some or people, a non-religious situation. You also well, may have a heritage of correct. your your family being atheist or, or humanist or agnostic, too. Which it's just kind is, of your approach to Right. And that's a religious situation. So mm. that's, you know, it's just the mm-hmm. absence of organized religion in your mm. particular situation. For Claire, mm-hmm. though, she was born into a Catholic family. And Mm -hmm. so she was christened Catholic, she is Catholic, and at the time of her marriage to Frank, he too was Catholic. So raised in the church in in England, but not in the Church of England. Correct, because the Church of England is is Protestant church instead of Catholic. One difference that I think is interesting that... And I'm not quite sure why they did it. Maybe I guess for expediency. But in the TV series, they have a registry office marriage, so a secular marriage. But in the books, it's a religious wedding in a yeah. church, and, and in the same church, she ends up marrying Jamie in too. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, I guess, yeah, how could you visually tell that story without spending more time than what they did on it? But anyway, I thought that was interesting that they made that choice. Yeah, I think I think writing-wise, it was probably a good choice to do visually to show the immediacy of the wedding and mm. the immediacy of Jamie and Claire's wedding as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You've got the, where I'm choosing to get married before the war because you know they're getting ready to ship off and then i'm mm. choosing to get married to save my life <laughs> so. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. The immediacy of both is true. Yeah. Right. Okay. So in the first book, her encounters with religion, we, yeah, as a cradle Catholic, I imagine also looking at religion as a anthropological or sociological sort of phenomenon with her uncle being an archaeologist. So she's seeing sort of the artifacts of religious devotion on a regular basis. And that's a... Yeah, and Uncle Lamb doesn't strike me from her descriptions of him as a particularly religious man. No, no, not at all. No, so her parents, I don't know if they were particularly devout. They die Mm -hmm. when she's five years old, and then she's shipped off to her Uncle Lamb, and she spends most of her time on his archaeological dig. So she's now Mm -hmm. looking at religion from an anthropological... You were right, yeah. 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 She's looking at it from an anthropological... More of an objective sort of... As a kind of almost academic sense and, you know, we're just kind of, huh, isn't that interesting that people do this or, you know, that kind of thing as opposed to a personal faith, so to speak. So during Um, those formative years where oftentimes the faith community kind of forms the belief mm -hmm. system of Mm -hmm. a child, she's Mm -hmm. seeing all the different options that are out there. She's seeing different religious traditions from thousands of years previous. Mm, and that's yeah. that's got to be very formative for her as well. Yeah, and I think it is because w- when we see also in the first book what, how she interacts with Reverend Wakefield mm-hmm. and kind of what happens to her, that she never is hostile. She's never anti-religion. I think, I mean, I, of course, I'm just importing maybe my own stuff into this, but it's, again, if you're looking at it from a, this is what people do. We construct belief. We construct, you know, religions and we, yeah. you know, it's just part of what life is about so it's, it's nothing personal for her and so she doesn't no. feel as if she has to defend anything or argue against or or really anything she's never hostile and she's never really anti-religion either but she's never really pro either no she seems to be fairly blandly smiling Ambivalent. through it all yeah. <laughs> she seems to be yeah. it's like yeah okay this is what you yeah. are believe even when mrs graham comes and offers mm. to read her palm and to read mm. her leaves and to do mm. I think it's all taken in the same kind of vein as she takes Reverend Wakefield as yeah. she takes yeah, any of the folks around her she is just assumes that everybody has what they believe and she doesn't mm. seem to really have any strong conviction that anybody mm. else is right or wrong mm. but it stays at arm's length I don't think she embraces what everybody is says necessarily mm-hmm. i think she's still fairly objective about it like her yeah. uncle lamb taught her to be however something happens <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be having Under this podcast. statement of the year yeah something happens to claire something that can't be explained something that probably carries a fairly mystical if not spiritual thing she falls through the stones right i didn't have this in my notes but it's just occurred to me we see that she is anti-religion when it comes to father bang and then how he's doing his work or abusing his people i don't think that it's necessarily anti-religion because she doesn't no. seem to be against father anselm she doesn't seem to be against any of the other priests or or any of the other folks that are religious there what she what she can't stand is it's the religion he's preaching though yeah Yeah, it's the the ignorance it's the the abuse that he's doing the the manipulation the the all the hell speak all the power plays yeah yeah so and his misogyny yes yeah so i think i think claire when it when it comes down to it she's fine with any 
tradition at this point when she's 27 ish years old she's fine for any tradition as long as it helps people as Mm -hmm. long as it's just as Mm -hmm. long as it doesn't keep people in the dark and it doesn't hurt anyone you know I think she would have been just as angry and at a protestant if they behaved like father brain yeah I would agree so she would have been just as angry as a Celtic druid if mm-hmm. they had been and behaved at, like Father Bain. But they, they don't. Father Bain is the portrait of all that is abusive in the church here. Okay, so there's the trial, the witch trial, which of yeah. course is cloaked in a lot of religious language. But again, is it is it really about religion or is it about abuse and misogyny and fear and, and right. that kind of stuff? Keeping women in their place. But then we have her encounter basically at the abbey at the end of the first book when jamie is is healing or uh, is trying to recover from from wentworth she basically she confesses uh or she sits sits there this is the first time that we see her actively participate in a religious ritual by you know sitting in silence and and then confessing to father anselm what do you think what do we see there okay so she's not really processed everything that's happened to her so we've got this woman who, she, she's seen World War II. Mm. She's seen incredible technology and its mm. ability to destroy mm. and its ability to heal. Yeah. She's very much a woman of science. She comes mm. from a background of anthropology with her Uncle Liam. Mm. And suddenly she is thrown through stones back in time 200 years mm. and has not had the opportunity to fully process this. Because yeah. she has been either trying to protect herself or somebody that she cares about, basically from, from the from the get go. From yeah. the get go, she's mm. the first thing that happens to her is people fire on her, and she's mm. and Black Jack Randall tries to rape her, and so yeah. from you know from from that moment on, she has had no time to process, and then she, she makes a decision to mm. stay and not go through mm-hmm. the stones because she's in love with Jamie. And she doesn't want to leave mm. him, and mm. that's the only real thing. And now mm. that real thing. Mm-hmm. is about to slip away and serious trauma has been inflicted upon him and she might lose him and mm-hmm. she finally i just feel like sitting in that chapel or sitting in the quiet and the long stretches of silence that many religious communities have mm-hmm. and and are intentional in their days g- gives her the option to really think and to wonder what actually happened to her and what it means that she is still searching for greater meaning and i think that's the key right there that she is searching for meaning in Hmm. what happened to her that Mm -hmm. something out there has Mm -hmm. some kind of plan or what is her part in this and why did it happen to her yeah and when you we talk about too so you said that, you know, this real thing has happened to her in the sense of, of connecting with Jamie. It, it's obviously been on a spiritual level as yeah. well. So, it, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not just mind and body. And so there, there is something, her soul has been touched. And so to understand, 
to process that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So Jamie's not not just the trauma. There has been something in her that yeah that has been open. True, and I say that's the first at Father Anselm when she's confessing that that's the first real ritual. I mean, obviously they had mass when when they got married. She and Jamie, yeah. and then when she got married to Frank as well, there was mass too. But as far as actively putting yourself in that position from a place of I would say faith, even though you might actually say doubt, but I think they're kind of actually the same thing. But That's to Khalil Gibran to, right there. Yeah. <laughs> so to actively sort of put yourself in that space and participate in what Anselm basically says is the mystery, I think is, is the first time that we see her actually encounter faith in a real way if that yeah. makes sense yeah and it's not to say it hasn't been real before yeah you know i don't want to dig myself a hole here but all but to say that she she is opening up in a way that she has not yet done i guess is what I'm i i think i think that her faith has been kind of like the furniture in yeah. the background of the life that she's been living yeah so, so if, if 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 your interior life is like Teresa of avila has is, is your interior castle the the faith was kind of the <laughs> the furniture <laughs> yeah. and you can switch it and swap it around and other people's furniture mm. is fine it's a sofa mm-hmm. it serves its purpose but I don't know that it was as life altering no. as what happened to her and trying to process that and I don't know mm. if it was as life altering as when mm-hmm. she discovered that she was in love with Jamie yeah. and the encounters that she had with him again you know we go back to the idea mm-hmm. of romance theology and the idea that mm-hmm. we talked about in the first four episodes I know it was a mm. long time ago but mm. w- what we talked about was that in relational theology we experience God when we're with other people and yeah. this this idea of romantic theology that we've been talking about that we've you know cobbled together from all these different sources the idea of mm-hmm. romantic theology and romantic literature and romantic narrative is the idea that when you're intimate with someone else, that's when mm. you experience God. When you have this deep romantic intimacy, you experience God mm. on another level. And I think that she has been experiencing it. It's, again, it's just the idea of being able to process this with someone else. And she yeah. chooses to do that with a cleric. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 In a very holy way. Even before the cleric, when she goes through that ritual with Jamie, the whole to ransom a man's soul, which is really yeah. very religious language, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and she goes through that whole process to sort of help him address his trauma. That, I would say, even carries, I mean, it's not a particular identified religious ritual per se but there was something intensely religious about it i would think well okay so um, but it, it is so she mm. imagine you know the peyote that the mm. native americans mm. eat to achieve a higher state mm. yeah, um, or just, in, yeah indigenous practices indigenous around practices the world do that can, yeah can, yeah absolutely and so she she gives him a little bit of something something mm-hmm. and Some psychotropic something yeah, yeah and and it it brings him to a higher state so he can deal with the monster that's that's living inside with of him mm. it's almost a vision quest in a way that she yeah gives him. so when she talks to father anselm we see kind of the way he describes what's happened to her and kind of spirituality is that 
Do you think that, you yeah. know, that we don't have to have answers to everything? No. And... Ag- agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think, so Claire goes to him with, look, I've married two guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I must be sitting. Yeah. Something must be wrong. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. Um, so, so she, he go, she goes and she's like, look, I need to know if I need absolution. I need to know if I'm living in sin. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm going to stop, but I need to mm-hmm. know. And yeah. he gives her absolution. He's like, look. Clearly, mm-hmm. you were married to both men in sacrament. One isn't even born yet, and one mm-hmm. is. So she's like, mm-hmm. yes, but I, I chose to be with him. He's like, mm-hmm. still, that's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. A, a marriage is a beautiful thing. One that works mm-hmm. well is a beautiful thing. You've done nothing wrong. Enjoy this mm-hmm. while you can. And don't you, you don't need to know why. It's mm-hmm. really okay for you just to live in this mystery. Yeah. It's really okay for you to sit in the mystery. The, the fact that he believes her shocks mm-hmm. her. Yeah. The fact that he even believes that this is this this happened to her and that this is real shocks mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, well, of course, you know, I, I believe in a, a man who fed a multitude on five loaves and two fish. So mm-hmm. uh, why wouldn't I believe this? Right. <laughs> so yeah. which is fantastic in the sense that he's so open minded about it. And then and in that way models the open mind for her. Yeah. To keep the mind yeah. open. And I, I think that's a second opening. You know, I that's so too. Mm-hmm. That, that's another way of opening her soul just a little bit more. To, to not continually question, to not to continually fight it, to not continually mm-hmm. go, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. But to say, mm-hmm. look, it happened. Mm-hmm. Can, we just, <laughs> can we just sit this down mm-hmm. over here and I'll deal with it mm-hmm. later. But for now, this happened. I don't know why and I may never know. Yeah, to embrace the mystery at some point is is kind of <laughs> where I think most people who need to have healthy lives get. <laughs> right. To constantly fight for answers is exhausting. And just to say, you know what? Some things don't have answers. Some things Correct. just happen. Sometimes shit happens and you don't know why it happened to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. But yeah. what Father Anselm does mm. specifically is he Mm -hmm. names this as God's blessing on her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That this could be... As opposed to a curse. As opposed to to a curse. That Mm. this is a blessing from God. Mm. That she gets an opportunity to come and do this. That this is... Mm. This is definitely an act of God because it's miraculous. But also that this is a gift that God has given you. Mm. Which she's not considered before, I don't think. No. I mean, it, w- it was just kind of something that happened to her as opposed to something that might have been given. Yeah, Th- that, that, that this is a gift of a good God. To, to yeah. label this as something good is yeah. is highly impactful for her and mm-hmm. I, I think allows her to, re- to release it. I yeah. would never say, you know, for, for shit that happens to people, I would mm-hmm. never say for the vast majority of it, that this is a gift mm. of, a, of a loving God. But for this particular one, I think Father Anselm has got a lot of wisdom because mm. he sees how much he that she loves him. Flip that on its head. It worked for Claire. I do not know that that would, that would work for Jamie. That what happened to him was not. Correct. Correct gift of a good god um, no. and yeah when, 
Yeah, when we talk about theology, yeah, and why bad things happen to people, that's a dangerous road. And it's not something that I think is applicable in all situations. But for Claire, Correct. in this Correct. particular situation, I think it was. I think for I think that, that speaks to the wisdom of Father Anselm in many yeah. ways. In the sense that he's looking at the fruits of the stuff that has happened, of mm. the of the people that she's healed, of the love that she's created with Jamie, and of her need to help others. Mm-hmm. It goes back to her call. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. I also think it, it talks about how we build our theologies based on the context that you're in. If you're dealing <laughs> if you're dealing with negative trauma in the sense of abuse and, and that situation where Jamie is concerned, then a context that is sensitive to that trauma is absolutely necessary and a way of understanding the meaning of that is absolutely necessary as yeah. opposed to just saying all things work together for good for those who love God. And Yeah, you can quote that Bible, but it's not helpful. No, it's not. And pulling mm. out Joseph again, you mm-hmm. know, all these mm-hmm. shit things happen. Sold to into him. slavery, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And, Almost killed several times. It, oh, um, isn't it great how God made that happen? You know, that all those great things happen because of his suffering. Yeah. yeah I got uh-uh. serious issues I, with I that. I had a really hard time with mm. that kind of theology because mm. that just gives you the opportunity to say, yeah, I know I did that to you, but hey. It all worked it's out. It's okay. The best. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. No. Great. Grace mm-hmm. for me is taking shit and turning it into gold. And when you're dealt with a shit hand, to be able to work with the hand that you're dealt with and yep. to be able to turn something beautiful into that, that's where the miracle happens. That is not anything I think that God intends. No. And I yeah. don't think it's something that happens for everybody either. And so to say one person is blessed and another person isn't because they're able to do that, I think is yeah. really unhelpful too. Okay, but anyway, so, so, so that's just yeah. the first book. <laughs> Claire does leave the Abbey at some point. <laughs> she does. Yeah, she does. And, you know, she ends up having conversations with Galus and, and talking. And, well, I mean, Anselm did bring up the whole, it's okay to try to change the future, too. That this gift has, has come to you and with gift comes responsibility, right? Yes. Um, thank you, Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. And so, yeah, Father Anselm, she, she asks for absolution mm. for having killed mm. the two boys that she had to kill to protect mm. Jamie. She mm. asks for absolution for marrying Jamie and wanting to stay with him. And Father mm. Anselm, Anselm was like, no, I don't need to give you absolution. You're fine. Mm. And mm. then she says, so if this is maybe for a greater purpose, is it okay for me to change the future? And he's like, that's just a philosophical conversation, truly, Mm -hmm. because everybody changes the future. He's like, where you're from, if you had done anything, you would have changed the future. So you coming back here and doing this for for all the lives you've taken to protect Mm -hmm. yourself, you've also Mm -hmm. given life. And she's like, but what if I know something terrible is going to happen, Mm i.e. Culloden? He's like, well, then, of course, you can try to change it. And maybe that's the reason. So that lifts off into book two. Yeah. And there, I, and so then I think there's a strong movement in both Dragonfly and Amber and in Voyager around Claire's explanations around healing and her commitment to science. And we talked a bit about that when we talked about her call in the episode previously so in in dragonfly and amber we see her commitment to science as well as in voyager like you were just saying but even during her times as a doctor and when she was in medical school what Mm. did she do at two o'clock in the morning after she finished a shift 
she would go to mm. her local parish mm. and sit vigil oh, yeah. over yeah. the body of Christ. She would sit vigil over the sacrament. Which was a holdover from when she was at the Abbey. Yes, yeah. when she would do this with the monks there because mm. she found it an extremely peaceful time. And mm. it was the time where she believed she met that mystery. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah. because it's a mystery in the Catholic tradition for mm-hmm. the bread to become the body. Yeah. It's it's a mystery. And so she yeah. is sitting in mystery, faced with mm-hmm. mystery. And so she continues this practice. It's a rite or a ritual to sit over the sacrament, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so she is sitting in the mystery, facing the mystery. And it's the only time she's really finds peace during those 20 years. So I think Claire being in silence, being, being able to balance the budding faith Mm-hmm. That there is something else out there in a faith that there's this mystery that she can sit with is a little bit different than, say, Galus's understanding. Mm-hmm. Both of them have yeah. got the same abilities. They both can mm-hmm. travel through the stones. With Galus, she knows why she's traveling mm-hmm. through those stones. In, in Voyager, they finally get an opportunity to talk about it because, you know, in Outlander, she thinks Galus dies. and She doesn't discover Galus is from the future until they are about to die and she's carted away until Galus is carted away. And so they don't really get a chance to talk and they talk about it a little Mm -hmm. bit in Outlander, I mean in uh, Voyager, uh, when she goes to see her at her house and she's explaining Mm -hmm. the stones and she's explaining how to travel and the time travel and how to use blood. And it's all magic to her. And she can manipulate the magic. Right. So the idea is that she is she is going to use this for her for her own benefit and for the benefit mm. of where she thinks for control. You're right. She manipulates yeah. it. So for Galus, it's about power. Absolutely. Always. Whereas for Claire, it's not. It's yeah. Huh. I it's haven't a, ever really thought about that. Yeah. No. Galus wants to change things, and that's when Claire Claire mm. asks her, "Why do we have? Why me? Why do we have these powers? What do you think?" This is mm-hmm. good for her. And mm-hmm. just as we're about to hear what Claire thinks, mm-hmm. Diana cuts us off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Galus turns to her and says, to change things, to change mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. And that's her, her thing is she wants to change the past for Scotland. Yeah. She wants to change yeah. the course of Culloden. So Master Raymond is, I think, a, maybe a different a, or, or foil to Galus in, the, yes. in that sense it, of... For Master Raymond, I don't. We don't really know yet what motivates him or why. We don't know how it all happened, how he became who he is, and how yeah. you know. I mean, we can talk about his call later too. But for him, it's not about power. No, is it? I, I, or at I least there's not been any indication of it. No, he seems. He almost kind of reminds me of like a, a little explorer in some ways that he just kind of trips through time exploring mm-hmm. and checking out his progeny. The only real strong indication, strong character suit I get from Master Raymond mm. is his need to protect mm. and enhance mm. his progeny, his, mm-hmm. those who are his children. Claire, we we get a very strong indication that Claire is a descendant of his, Mm -hmm. as is the comp. And so for those of you who have not read the other books that are out there, I strongly suggest to read the the side books. Yeah, the the shorter novellas, because that'll help you understand the connection between Master Raymond and the comp, as well as Master Raymond and Claire. 
So mm-hmm. I, he does mm-hmm. seem to have this strong protective need of tripping mm-hmm. through time to see who he has and then teaching them in so many ways. Yeah. So he, he, he takes on the role of teacher for Claren. And there's this one there's this one scene where she talks about magic. And she's very derogatory mm-hmm. about it because, I mean, A, she doesn't really believe in m- magic, even though she believes mm-hmm. in mystery. She gathers that Master Raymond also doesn't believe in magic and that he's too smart for it, mm-hmm. but is a man of science and still believes in certain things. But there, there's this one scene where he's like, so if I mix sulfur with this element over here, it's gunpowder. Mm-hmm. Is, is that magic? Mm-hmm. Or is that just the nature of yeah. sulfur? That's I love a that scene. Fantastic scene, I that was great. and it's it's mm. really gets to the heart of: is it magic what you do, or is it just your nature? Mm-hmm. You know. But as far as that teaching side that Master Raymond has on Claire, I mean, he again, we're kind of talking about her growth, and so it's a process of opening up and of learning and of seeing kind of where where you can get footholds or what makes sense to you in some ways. And so that that practice of turning in that she does is something that Raymond is able to to teach her or open up yeah. in her to be able to sort of look inward and, and kind of feel and sense where things are. And I would, again, would say that that is an indicator of her spiritual growth or of self-awareness at, at the very well, knowing, least. Owning um, her skills and, and owning this, this yeah. kind of mysterious thing that she's able to do with the healing. Master Raymond and the yeah. blue light and that Claire also has this gift mm-hmm. of, of helping guide her through that gift and and the mystery mm. of it is a spiritual practice. So we're talking about Master Raymond. So the l- loss of yeah. faith and also connected to that too is Claire's descent yeah. um, into, de- into depression, which is completely understandable and, and incredibly realistic, I think, in how it's been yeah. written. And um, the fact that the child's yeah. name is Faith and that yeah. she loses faith is very yeah. indicative Absolutely. of a spiritual a, a, a spiritual growth point that the mm-hmm. loss of faith mm-hmm. is growth in for many people i would say mm-hmm. for for Absolutely. most people who lose their faith it's 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 the next it's one of the steps along the way for <laughs> any uh religious educators out there would be aware of james fowler's stages yes. of faith and in in stage four you know we can talk about those stages but in stage four it talks about stage three people think that people at stage four have become backsliders or that they, you know, they've doubted, doubted and they've lost their faith and it's not possible where actually they've moved forward with, uh, with into stage four. And so this kind of, yeah, that, that loss of faith isn't necessarily an indicator that their faith has gone, but that it has yes. matured or yeah. moved, moved yeah. forward in a different way. Barbara Brown Taylor, who was at the Wild mm-hmm. Goose Festival. Yeah. Yes. And she said hello oh, to us. She? <laughs> we love her. Yeah. She wrote this mm-hmm. wonderful, uh, really astounding book called uh, Leaving Church. And it, it, it was her very painful time as a rector mm-hmm. of a particular congregation and how she just had to say goodbye to it as a yeah. part of her spiritual growth, as yeah. a maturing in her faith. People that I knew when I was younger, when I was in youth group, folks that I'm, they still know me or we're still in touch though, are uh, doubtful of my continued faith. I think they, they think I'm going oh, to hell. Oh, um, yeah. They think I've turned my my back on it all. And no, I haven't. I'm just not there with them anymore. 
And so, yeah, I think I think that's an experience that a lot of people have and sometimes don't have the language to talk about it. So I, I also have this because we both have got very similar backgrounds as far as um, coming mm. from the evangelical tradition. There's an mm. entire group here in Richmond of folks I went to elementary and middle school with mm. who I, I, I do not get into theological or faith conversations with because of that fact and my biggest thing is I don't want them to think that I'm looking down on them yeah yeah because I'm not I I don't Mm. think that I'm above them because I'm at stage four (laughs) of the fact I I don't don't always buy into Fowler's stages of faith because to me they're kind of hierarchical and I don't I don't necessarily know that I I necessarily agree with them that's very true I think it's kind of like the stages of grief by Kubler-Ross you experience them out of order and in order and and sometimes you experience one this day and you think you finally graduated and nope you didn't because you never Mm -hmm. really graduate a bit of a spiral or a cycle and you just kind of go back and And I I, I think for me that the stages of faith are kind of like that I like that he's got them in stages and I like that kind of yeah. like that he's got kind of a Piaget growth pattern to them. Mm. But I think you could even remove mm-hmm. the Piaget piece of it and you would get a lot of our, our understanding of faith. There are days that I'm pretty sure that there's a God out there. And then there are days I'm like, well, screw the world. We're all going to burn. You know? um, <laughs> <Me> yeah. <too. laughs> But I, I, I think, or I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I don't know if God exists. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. There are there are days yeah. I'm like, what the hell? And then something happens, and I'm like, well, maybe there's some truth to this. Oh, yeah. Maybe the mystery yeah. is real, <laughs> and I just have gotten a glimpse of it. And uh, and so, and I'm grateful yeah. for those days. But it makes the other days even harder, you know. It, it does. does. I, I think that the difference is not necessarily that I have matured more than my my friends. I, I think the difference is I'm done with the fear. Yeah, I'm done absolutely. with the fear of questioning. I'm done with the fear of thinking that I'm going to hell. I'm done with the fear yeah. of a God that might shake when I, I question him. And, it, and it's a it's a hymn yeah. for, for that group. And so it's always a yeah. hymn in that yeah. sense. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I Or that you're not good yeah, enough. Yeah, or that my power or is somehow not appreciated. I'm I'm done with that. Yeah. I'm just done. And and that may come off as too selfish to a certain group or it may come off mm-hmm. as assertive to a certain group or it may come off as just yeah. hey I don't care what you think I just want to be me for a little bit and I think that that's an okay thing to be it comes off as prideful I think for some ah, people too yes. that you know uh, that you're prideful in your goodness or that you don't need God what, what I don't want is for my friends to think that, that I, I think that I'm yeah. better than them and I'm not what what I am is just at mm-hmm. a different place in a different place so Claire's in a different place basically after the loss of faith right and Jamie is not there with her and Jamie's not there and so it's you know completely understandable and relatable that she just well falls apart really or shuts down and so it's interesting that you know Jamie talks about his own private fortress being destroyed after Wentworth and in some ways, I think this faith episode is a is a counter to that, where Claire's own fortress has been has been destroyed or at least shrouded. She talks about the grayness of yeah. everything when she's is it Bellefontaine or or somewhere like that? I can't remember the name yeah. of the, the yeah, state. Yeah, she's with Louis, Louise. Same that in the way that Claire has to tear down Jamie at the end of uh, at the end of Outlander for for Wentworth, he kind of has to do that for her too in the sense of not 
he has to ransom her soul in the same way that she does his. And I think we see that not just at the loss of faith at Dragonfly and Amber, but we also see it when she's raped in A Breath of Snow and Ashes. We see that same grayness, that same sort of shroud that comes over her and the way in which Jamie has to, to help her regain and rebuild. That's a spiritual inwardness growth movement that's happening. Um, well, and I find it interesting that they they must connect physically for that mm. to happen. That that when yeah. Claire ransoms his soul at the Abbey, they it, mm. it, it's a sexual act. When yeah. Jamie yeah. ransoms her after the loss of faith and after King Louis, it's a sexual mm-hmm. act. It's a mm. consensual sexual act. Let me just say that very clearly. And, yeah. and the, sa- the yeah. same goes yeah. after her rape, is mm. that this is, this is a healing thing for them, that they're, they're coming together mm-hmm. in this way is a way for them mm. to heal physically as well as spiritually and mm. emotionally. You know, I, I didn't put it together so until just now that as we've been putting together this whole romanceology and that faith and mm-hmm. God is experienced in romantic relationships, it's the loss of faith in Jamie because he breaks his promise mm. that yeah. that breaks her water. Mm. It's the loss mm. in faith of Jamie that breaks and mm. she loses faith their child. There's a physical loss mm. when she loses faith mm. in him. I, I, huh. I hadn't put that together until just I now. I haven't either. And, 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 and yeah. then the grayness ensues. So she then goes to Louis and asks for his release and has to sleep with Louis. And so she conjoins to another man in order to save yeah. him, to ransom him. And in fact, he's mm-hmm. he ends up ransoming her back. He ends up taking her back. Yeah. Well, okay. Claire and Frank. So Claire prays for Frank in in the early books, hoping that, you know, he's okay, hoping that he finds happiness, hoping she prays for soul yeah. later, right? So one question I had in the earlier days was, were those prayers out of true religious devotion or just feeling bad about the choices that she made or that kind of thing? So I, I was... I don't know. I don't know. And, and I, I don't... I don't think we necessarily have to answer that, but I think it's just a recognition that does that Claire does have a prayer yeah. life um, in whatever way that means. Also back to her in the, the perpetual adoration that she does at St. Finbar's after, after her shifts at the hospitals, she doesn't genuflect when she goes in. So that kind of, you know, when she does the sign of the cross, when going in, she doesn't do that. Like some of the other people do but she does them in later books like they send so frank never seems to be connected in any way to faith or spirituality he asks her why do you do this i don't understand but then they send brie to a catholic (laughs) school so and brie pretty much anytime she ever talks about faith she talks about being at the catholic school so there's a there's a connection there with sort of socialized religion in the sense, you know, and maybe that's well, from I Frank's also have to, I also I have to think that, okay, so Bree's mm. going to school in the 50s, and Brown versus the mm. Board of Education just happened in, like, 1952, mm. right? And so mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. would have been, if she had gone to a public school, this is my sinister side coming out, she would have been going mm. to a public school, possibly, mm. with people of color. 
And then Frank shows his racist oh, side. Frank is extremely racist in the book. It doesn't come out in the show, but he is racist in the book. Yeah. He does not like Joe Abernathy. Mm. He does not like Claire hanging out. He mm. definitely does not like Bree hanging mm. out with Joe's son. He does put her in Catholic mm-hmm. school. And this is what happened in the 50s mm. and 60s as Brown versus the Board of Education mm. um, changed the schools in the United States. Mm. Is You started seeing white affluent families putting their children into private schools yeah they did it all across the south when i was growing up too that every every town had its own little private academy that all the all the white people ended up at Mm -hmm. the school i was at it was a good 10 to 15 year delay because of mass resistance in the south particularly in virginia Mm -hmm. where we put up a very Mm -hmm. strong fight for mass mass resistance and and really this mass resistance Mm -hmm. was really just to keep brown people and white people separate from each other in schools and that just i i I still kind of go what but that's what it was and that's how a lot of the church schools popped up and the catholic schools also popped up too. They, they'd been mm-hmm. there for a long time, but they started getting a large influx. And so I'm wondering if that might have had something to do with it as well, or the fact that, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a professor at Harvard, and she's a, yeah. a well-known yeah. doctor and got her degree at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would they put their child into public school? It would be a sign of, of their affluence. It would be a sign of their power in their community to be able to put her into mm-hmm. Catholic school, even if they don't mm-hmm. believe anything that the Catholics are saying. Yeah. So she doesn't genuflect when she goes into St. Finbar's, but in A Breath of Snow and Ashes, when she goes into the Dutchman's cabin, when that family had been um, massacred, yeah. basically, she does. She does genuflect. And I remember writing in my in my um, margins in that book going, since when does Claire do that? I don't know. Um, and I think that's when I first started thinking about Claire's change in belief is... At what point did she adopt that as a making a sign of the cross as a marker of you know space? because she's been um, she's been yeah, into horrifying situations before she's mm-hmm. walked up on mm-hmm. terrible things people dying people you know and yet mm-hmm. she's never done that mm-hmm. Jamie always has all, all the other folks in the mm-hmm. general area do that even Dougal does that but mm-hmm. not not clear you're right you're right. Speaking about her prayers, Jamie consistently prays in Voyager. He consistently prays throughout, but yeah, especially in Voyager, that she, that she be safe. Yes. She and, and that, the child. That, that is that is like a whispered mm-hmm. prayer that's always in the background of mm-hmm. his brain. That she be safe. Mm-hmm. And in Scottish yes. prisoner, especially that she too. Be safe, yeah. She and the child. And I think it takes mm-hmm. great faith for her to pray for mm-hmm. Frank, knowing mm-hmm. that he's dead and not born at the same time. He is Schrodinger's mm. Frank. Mm. <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is dead and not born at the same time. And so I, I, think, it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah. She must have great faith that he is somewhere out there and that you can yeah. still pray for his yeah. soul, which is a, a strong, it's not just Catholic, it's also indigenous people belief that, that yeah. you're still praying yeah. for the existence of someone even after they have passed. Yeah, the ancestors. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so while she's at St. Finbar's, I realize we've kind of jumped yeah. back a little bit, but there was a bit of a quote that I think might connect this. So this is her talking about while she's at St. Finbar's and why she does it. And she says, it was peaceful. At last, as usually happened here, I ceased to think. 
whether it was the stoppage of time in the presence of eternity or only the overtaking of a bone-deep fatigue, I didn't know. But the guilt over Frank eased, the wrenching grief for Jamie lessened, and even the constant tug of motherhood upon my emotions receded to the level of background noise, no, long, no louder than the slowly beating of my heart, regular and comforting in the dark peace of the chapel. O oh Lord, I whispered, I commend to your mercy the soul of your servant James. And mind, I added silently, and mine. And so this Claire actively praying for Jamie and Voyager that you just mentioned. So for the, does he exist? Does he not? Also shredded with Jamie <laughs> in, this, in this situation. Well, and, and in her mind, he doesn't. In her mind, he dies at Culloden, right? Yeah, yeah, that he's gone, right? Well, okay, even if he isn't gone, he is gone in 1968. Mm. Even if he isn't mm-hmm. dead by Culloden, he's yeah, gone exactly. in 1968. Mm. So he's dead sort of no yeah. matter what, right? But the question I had, again, another note I had made in the margin is, did she ever commend Frank's soul to God's oh, mercy? I think that would be an insult to Frank. Well, I... It, it could be that just Diana never yeah. wrote it. You know, like, I mean, it, it, we're talking about Claire as if she's a real character, or a real person, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. So it's, you know, there, there is the possibility that Diana's just never included that. However, listeners out there, some of you might know, if there is a place where she did that, yeah. I would like to know. Um, because, I, well, again, you know, it, it obviously connects to who she connected yeah. with spiritually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's who she spent her time praying for. She certainly communes with frank's ghosts often but whether or not she ever commends frank's soul to god's mercy um he pops up at some of the most inopportune times and 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 she doesn't always share that with jamie yeah i think that that's also an important thing is that there there is an intimacy between she and frank Mm. that she does not share with jamie just like i'm sure that there was Mm. an intimacy between jamie and leary Um, that, mm. that he does not share. He does not share it with Claire. So when we're talking about her growth, so kind of nominal devotion to the Catholic tradition in the first three books, but really it's only after Voyager, I'd say, when she becomes, after, once she's ensconced in Fraser's Ridge, that a quiet devotion sort of steals into her soul, yeah. maybe you yeah. could say. Because again, going back, I think this is connected to home and belonging. Um, she begins to make sense of who she is, where is home, where she belongs, and makes a kind of peace with her past. And, you know, Bree and Roger are there as well, so I'm sure that helps. But even if she hasn't made sense of what happens to her, she she has embraced the mystery after Voyager. And you begin to see her practice a, a quiet devotion, a spiritual devotion in, in, in her work and as she goes about her life right. um, in a way that you don't see in the first three books, Well, basically. She, she becomes more settled. And so she's had yeah. over 20 years to kind of be more mm-hmm. comfortable in her bones, right? And mm-hmm. she's finally mm-hmm. found her way back mm-hmm. to Jamie. They've got a space. She's mm-hmm. never had a space that was mm-hmm. home like this. It makes sense mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. processing would start plus there's just a lot to do she's 
there's just, uh, you know, living in the... <laughs> the reality of frontier, frontier life. Hey? life is that you don't really have a whole lot of time to reflect or you have way too yeah. much time to reflect. So, you know, so, you know, so she's yeah. get to the task at hand. And I think you're right. I think she settles into a, a practice mm-hmm. as, as does Jamie. Mm-hmm. He settles into a practice, mm-hmm. a, a, a daily practice, yeah. and they grow their community. Mm-hmm. And as they grow their community... Mm-hmm the community then kind of accepts them where they are. And, and you, you've got that pinging back and forth, and community does this for you, right? Community helps to form mm. your faith or, or absence of mm. faith, and it, it helps mm-hmm. form who you are. And I, I think that that's, that's part of it, too, is that not only has she found this space that can be hers and Jamie's and Ian's and Rollo's, but it, it also belongs to everyone else and they belong to them. The other thing I want to, I would want to make sure and kind of say, so we've talked about kind of the influence of others on Claire's spirituality. So Mrs. Yes. Graham, Master Raymond, obviously Jamie, but I think Roger oh, has much, yeah. a profound impact on her her spiritual growth. So I think a lot of that piece that we're talking about at Fraser's Ridge that, you know, the rituals and stuff that they start to get into is a bit shattered when when Malva happens. Yes. But after that, I think Claire's faith is even further deepened. And I, and I would say, yeah, that Roger had something to do that. Because you, you see her processing that with him and talking to him about it, expressing his thoughts or her thoughts with him. And and I think she embraces his call as a minister. He's the closest thing to a confessor that she's got anywhere nearby, right? Right, right, right. And, and also with him being a time traveler, she knows that he understands things in a way that, you know, some random priest isn't going to. And I think there's, some, there's a role that Roger plays in Claire's spiritual growth that's really important and I'd like to spend a lot more time on that, yeah. thinking about that and reading about that and researching that. Because I think that's that's unexplored heretofore. I think I think <laughs> she's got a connection with Roger that she does not have with Brie. She does. They talk quite a bit about Brie without Brie around. I'd like to explore that when we talk about Roger's call, because Roger's call is so complicated compared to Claire's or Jamie's. Both of them seem to have a fairly mm. straightforward calling Rogers mm-hmm. is extraordinarily mm-hmm. complicated and so contextual yeah, it is yeah. and that's I think that's what makes it so mm-hmm. complicated he goes through such trauma Ian and he both have got contextual callings and that's uh, uh, Ian mm-hmm. the younger I love that mm-hmm. they both struggle all the time with them it's such a beautiful thing I I still you know we talk about this again like I said like as if these are real people and they to are me, real they people are. in the sense that they take they are totally but just the beauty that diana has been able to and again because we're on first name basis <laughs> um that diana has been able to we could um, be diana give us a call world that we're <laughs> <laughs> been able to construct this world um that is just so real and so real in the sense of we both see them as real people, but also the, their experiences are so real and so complex and so full of possibilities yeah. and ways to think about them. Hence the podcast. Hence the podcast. Oh, so we're I, you were talking about how she's moving towards this. The Fraser's Ridge is where she kind of is able to kind of relax mm, into yeah. this, this growing, deepening spirituality that she's got in Voyager. When she is with mm-hmm. the enslaved peoples who've ex- who've escaped, 
Oh, the, the Maroons. Our enc- encounter with sort of voodoo yes, and, encounter with and the, African yeah. native, native religions. And then yeah. her encounter with the Native American tribes and how mm, both of mm-hmm. them say, mm-hmm. the, the first ones, the ones the, of the African traditions, they mm-hmm. basically say, when you stop bleeding is when you're going to come into your deeper mm-hmm. powers. And mm-hmm. it was the same mm-hmm. with the Native Americans, when your hair turns white. I think yep. there's also this thing about her coming more into her own and coming more into her own power as she's deepening mm-hmm. spiritually, that she doesn't understand mm-hmm. how she can disconnect as she's doing surgery or how mm-hmm. she can see the organs and the bones and the muscles and mm-hmm. the nerves in ways that mm-hmm. other physicians can't. But she mm-hmm. accepts it as the mystery. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. continues to move down that path. And so I think that there is almost a destiny set out for her mm. to kind of deepen her herself spiritually. I mean, she could have fought it, but mm. on Fraser's Ridge, she doesn't. No, she she doesn't. fights everybody in Boston, but she doesn't seem to have to on Fraser's Ridge. I, I think we see this growing acceptance of the mystery of being able to speak about mystery with Roger, with Bree, with being able just to kind of accept where she is and what she's doing and to realize that there are things out there she's never ever going to understand. Jamie has always mm. realized this. It's it's part of his Celtic spirituality that there are, you know, beyond yeah. God okay. and Jesus and the Catholic tradition that there that there are <laughs> these old folk and there are deeper connections to the earth and to the heavens that mm. are much older than our Christian faith. And so she comes upon Jamie in one of the later books uh, on Fraser's Ridge. Mm. She comes upon him in a pool of water. And Mm. he is not just bathing, he's praying. And he's calling on the ancestors. Dougal Dougal and Myrta and the others who have come before him, right? right? To to assist him and be with him in the coming battle. He is performing a rite and a ritual that is not Catholic Mm. in tradition, it's really syncretized mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. praying to our ancestors and praying to the saints and using water mm-hmm. as a source for the spirit. And it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very ancient and old connection. It's a very archetypal type of ritual. Mm-hmm. And Claire happens. And she recognizes she does. that. Not only does she recognize mm-hmm. that, but she recognizes that in that pool, in that space, in that land, there is something... Mm-hmm there that is not yep. her that is not yep. jamie that is other yeah and that yeah. is very very old and is of spirit mm-hmm. so she recognizes mm-hmm. there's something very old that's existed there since the dawn of time and mm-hmm. she doesn't question mm-hmm. that science mm-hmm. doesn't come into it mm-hmm. for her there that space really yeah. is of the spirit and again an indicator of her embrace yeah. of mystery yeah and, and, um, and her connection with Jamie in that yeah. and the fact that he has always known it. And it's taken her a while to get to this yeah. place, to get to the place where, you know, she, she laughed at him for keeping a, <laughs> what was it that he kept in his, his foreign, was it the rabbit's foot? I think it he was a rabbit's the foot, yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Some, some little talisman yeah. or good luck charm. And, you know, she kind of, she kind of rolled yeah. her eyes at that, but it, this she doesn't she, she knew. knew it's it's something mm. deep she she doesn't question anymore i was just thinking was that one of the later aspects of claire's spiritual geography i don't know i i think 
her physical trauma with the rape and all that she goes through with Malva, that sends reverberations. And then her own almost demise. So mm-hmm. she almost mm-hmm. dies because mm-hmm. of Malva. And that, yeah. that changes her as well. I, I don't know if it's those things that bring her to that place or if it's her relationship mm-hmm. with Jamie who brings her to that place. The trauma that happens to mm-hmm. her body and the healing that Jamie does for her in ways that she can't explain. You know, she, she doesn't have anybody. Yeah. She doesn't have Master Raymond and the blue light. She has Jamie no. and the magic sex <laughs> to, bring, mm. to bring her back. Well, and her her own blue lights. Yeah. So, I mean, the meningitis, well, I assume it was meningitis, but I could be wrong. Situation is her, you hear her talking about her sort of internal process and where she is spending her energy in order to... To come back. To heal herself, to come back. So um, to end the episode then, we've got a couple questions for you. So we'll put the questions on the website. But again, if it's easier for you to send us a voice memo or to email us or send us a message on Facebook or something like that, then that's fine too. But so we've got a couple questions. So we've listed a Mm -hmm. bunch of places where we think that Claire has deepened her spirituality, where she has grown spiritually over the 30 some odd years that we have witnessed her. And so I I know we've missed stuff and we've actually got more stuff here that Mm -hmm. we could talk about, but this would go on very, very long. We skipped over a bit. But we'd love to hear from you. Where where were specific spots in her travels and in her voyage Mm -hmm. from World War II nurse to where she is now? that that resonated with you that touched you that you really understood where she was and how she would grow spiritually and then the second question is connected to that but about your own experience so in your experience what are the markers of your own spiritual growth how have you seen yourself growing or maturing over the course of the years and where have things changed for you so again like we said at the beginning and this was on claire we're gonna do episodes later on on jamie and roger and a few of the other characters so we look forward to hearing from you then thank you guys for listening we're looking forward to seeing you the next time so that's it for this episode of outlander soul thanks for listening we'd really appreciate it if you'd review us on itunes or wherever you get your podcast as it helps people find us if you listen and like what you hear please consider supporting us via patreon just click on the support us button at the top of the page at outlandersoul.com and every little bit helps. Also, we'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, and ideas. Part of the work we're doing is gathering data on how fans interact with and value Outlander in their lives. So we're interested in what you have to say. And we know Outlander fans have a lot to say. (laughs) (laughs) So please respond to our survey questions found on our website related to this episode or follow the links on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. You can also contact us by email at outlandersoulpodcast at gmail.com or via our website at outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Bye.